of the first recording in a series on reading the Bible. The aim is to help us engage with Scripture as a community. We'll send these recordings out periodically during the sermon series, and the goal is that they would complement the sermon and help us meditate on the sermon text throughout the week. Now, why is something like this worth giving 8 to 10 minutes to? At least two reasons. First, it connects us more to what happens on Sunday mornings. The sermon on Sunday is an irreplaceable means of Bible intake. It's the primary means of our growth in the Word, in community. But we're also called to meditate on God's Word day and night, not just on Sunday morning. And so this at least means meditating on the preached Word throughout the week. And one simple way to do that is to immerse ourselves devotionally in the book that's being preached through in corporate worship. When we do this, when our devotional lives run alongside of what happens on Sunday, something happens. One begins to inform and enrich the other. The sermon connects with our hearts more deeply and more quickly, and it goes deeper throughout the week as we continue reading and reflecting on the sermon text. And the result is that our private spiritual lives expand. They become more communal, in a sense, like little extensions of corporate worship. And this pushes against our tendency to view our faith as this individualistic thing, that it's just me and God. And it reminds us that we're part of a body, of a people. But second, it equips us to just be better readers of the Bible. Think about the nature of the Bible for a second. The Bible is both a human and divine book. It is both breathed out by God, inspired by God, but it's also written down by men. So the Bible's divine nature means that it's perfect. It has no error. It's authoritative over every area of our lives. It's God's very word. It's able to make us wise for salvation. It does something to us because we encounter God in it. But the Bible's human nature means that God chose to speak through real men in history, through their unique cultural time, through their unique personalities and giftings and interests. And so what we have is a collection of 66 books that are a mix of all different styles or genres of writing. We have genealogies, narrative history, law, poetry, songs, proverbs, parables, letters, prophecies, sermons. You probably have a favorite genre, one that resonates with you most deeply. And so reading the Bible well demands that we take into account these historical and literary backgrounds of the authors. And part of that is learning how to read different genres, because genre guides our expectations. And without understanding genre, we can miss a lot in our Bible reading. And that's what these clips are for, to help orient us to the particular genre that's being preached through. So as Marshall gets ready to preach from Luke this coming Sunday, we need to ask the question, what genre is Luke? Well, the Gospels are notorious for being a mix of all types of genre. They've got poetry, parables, they've got history and sermons. But in general, the Gospels fall under what is called historical narrative. And this is what the majority of the Bible actually is. Essentially just telling factual events in the format of a story. So how do we read historical narrative? Three tips. Context, comments, and characters. The first, context. Context is always key. We don't want to be reading any part of the Bible out of context. 
but the gospel authors assume that their gospel accounts will be read or heard as a whole. So it's really important to keep in mind the flow of context as we're reading the gospels. What just happened in the story and what happens next. The second is comments. Sometimes the gospel authors will add these little editorial notes or comments that tell us what to think about a passage. These are really important to catch. An example is actually from Luke in chapter 18. Luke records two different parables. Before he tells each one, he makes a comment that helps us understand the point of the parable. So in verse 1, Luke says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now, Jesus didn't say that part. Luke makes that comment, and it sets us up to know why Jesus told this parable, to encourage his disciples in prayer. And then again in verse 9, Luke writes, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So here again, Luke is helping us interpret Jesus' parable. He just told us that Jesus is talking to self-righteous Pharisees. So we know this parable is going to do at least two things. It's going to confront the Pharisees' misplaced self-worth, but it's also going to show us what Jesus values, namely humility. So now we know which character to trust, the humble, which leads us to the third thing, characters. The gospel authors show us what characters are trustworthy, which ones are godly examples for us by how they narrate the story. So someone may look godly or religious or powerful, but their actions or words show otherwise. So again, in this parable we just saw in Luke 18, the tax collector, who we shouldn't trust, is the one who actually makes true statements about himself and about God. It says he wouldn't even look up to heaven but bowed his head, and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So it's counterintuitive to trust the tax collector. These weren't the most upstanding citizens. But Luke shows him to be trustworthy by his posture before God and by contrasting him with the self-righteous. So these are the three things, context, comments, and characters. Now what about Luke specifically? So keeping those few things in mind, what themes hold the book of Luke together? Well, probably the most dominant theme in Luke is the story of salvation. Luke is really interested in his readers understanding the whole history of God saving his people. And within this story of salvation, two groups of people show up a lot, the Gentiles and the poor. Luke makes sure that we know that salvation is not just for the Jews, but also non-Jews or Gentiles. And as a side note here, it's helpful to remember that Luke is... Volume 1 in the two-volume set, Luke-Acts, and Acts is all about the gospel going from Jerusalem, where the Jews presided, to the ends of the earth, all nations. So the Gentiles are brought in, but Luke emphasizes something else. Time after time in this gospel, salvation is offered to those at the margins of society. The poor, women, the foreigner, the outsider— This is a huge emphasis in Luke, and these are the characters to watch for. So as Marshall preaches through Luke, I encourage you to read it devotionally throughout the week. And as you do, pay attention to context, comments, and characters, just the way you would with any historical narrative. But also notice Luke's emphasis on the story of salvation, how the Gentiles have been brought in, and how the lowly, the humble, the outcasts, and the poor 
all find a place in God's story.